Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon podcast. Hello, welcome. It's Sarah. And this is Katie. And we're back, you guys. It's been so long. <laughs> I feel like that's how we start all of our episodes lately. Every episode. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been forever. <laughs> I do have to give a quick little shout out to my wonderful sister-in-law. You know which one. She, Katie, so she was telling us that she listens to the episode. Like, she was, like, quoting stuff and was like, oh, and in that one episode. And I'm like, what? You <laughs> listened? It's so crazy. And she's like, oh, I filter it. I filter for your brother. And my brother was like, yeah. I was like, thank God. Oh, I don't want him <laughs> listening. Um, but she did make the comment that you and I sound the same. And she can never tell which one of us, like, is talking, like, who it is. And this is my own sister-in-law who's known me wow. since I'm, like, six. So, yeah. See, that's surprising to me. But obviously I'm biased because I'm me. <laughs> exactly. But, that's uh, what I thought. Like, I feel like we sound so different, but maybe we don't. Yeah, I guess sometimes when I listen to other podcasts, I get confused about who is who, and they're probably like, what? It's so easy to tell us apart. So yeah, I get it. Exactly. <laughs> I guess you're forgiven, sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving. Um, Katie and I did. We were both in the States. I was in the States for Thanksgiving, which is crazy because mm-hmm. I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in like, I think it's been over 10 years. Wow. So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of food, may or may not have gained 20 pounds and I love it and I wear it with pride because I can't even zip up my jeans anymore. <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> Um, so there's that. Potatoes are worth it. (laughs) It was worth it. I have no regrets. That's what I was telling my boyfriend this weekend. We were saying so. I was wearing sweatpants, and I was like, "These are the only pants that fit me right now." (laughs) He's like, "What?" I was like, "I." (laughs) And I'm like, "I have no regrets, so none." (laughs) Worth it. Um, Was your Thanksgiving nice, Katie? It was. It was mellow, but very nice and delicious so just how I wanted it to be <laughs> yummy did you have any alcohol on this Thanksgiving I sure did we made some really yummy cocktails that were I guess sort of like a Moscow mule ish type because they had like the really spicy ginger beer and uh, orange fresh orange and cranberry Ooh. juice with uh, vodka um and oh and then we also did one that was with bourbon which was really yummy and we got um some really nice wine to have while we were cooking and eating so it was it was super great did you your family doesn't you probably didn't have alcohol right because you were with family yeah (laughs) (laughs) no we did not um I mean, we had alcohol when we were there because when we would go to my brothers, like some of my brothers, of course, they aren't members. And so I drank a lot of beer on this trip, which I'm not a big beer drinker. Like I'll have it with certain foods or if I'm in the mood, but rarely do I drink it like as my my preferred choice of drink. Um, But I had a lot of that because my brothers, that's mostly what they drink is just beer. Um, but on Thanksgiving, we didn't have any because we're at my parents' house. So yeah. Yeah. we had red solo cups, but they were full of Kool-Aid and Coca-Cola. None of that <laughs> <good stuff>. um, 
which cool. after, after day on Thanksgiving, I was like, God, I wish I had, wish I had some alcohol, but did not. Um, but no, it was nice. I did Black Friday shopping. I don't know if, if you guys, you listeners are into Black Friday shopping or Katie, but I, like I said, I haven't been home in 10 years. So I was like, I have to do it. And y'all, I came back with a suitcase. I had three suitcases. One was just an Instapot and all <laughs> this other American shit that I get over here. And I'm like, I can't even use it because I don't have the right converter. I was just going to say. <laughs> I nearly lost my shit the other night. We went to make some curry in our Instapot. And I blew out a socket because I used an adapter. And then Greg was like, I'm pretty sure you need a converter or a different cord. I'm like, motherfucking, <laughs> it's the pot. Like, I went through so much trouble to bring you back to Germany. And now it doesn't even work. And I blew a socket. So. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Anywho, um, we saw all of your messages and they were lovely, even though I... I didn't respond to a lot. I was basically offline most of the trip, which was delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still saw that you guys were writing us. And we I read a few of the stories, which is really great. And just being able to talk to, yeah, a few other people who may not have grown up Mormon, but just, like, hearing their experience as well as home got me even more passionate about, like, oh, my God, I'm so ready to go back and start recording again. Yeah, talking about this again. Right. I missed yeah. you guys. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, we have a new patron, um, and it's, I think it's pronounced Moni, or Moni, I don't, it's M-O-N-I, but thank you, <laughs> sorry if I butchered thank your you. name. Thank you, sorry that we butchered your name, but we love you, and yes. that's so nice. I know, it makes me happy every single time, never fails. Aww. Um. yeah, thanks for everyone for supporting us, and also, like, it's just crazy. Katie and I were talking about how many listeners that we've had, like listens and downloads. And it's, what are we up to right now? I think it's nearing 70,000. That's mental. So yeah, many people. Maybe it's 80. I, I get it all confused, but it's somewhere around there. <laughs> That's insane. That makes my heart so full. Thanks, you guys. You're the best. <laughs> well, today's topic, are you ready to get into it? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay, today, this one has been requested by a lot of you. So today, we are talking about Mormon baptism. Yeah, so Katie and I, we had a few suggestions of like topics, and we both decided on baptism because I can't believe we haven't covered this topic already. I think um, we probably talked about it sort of in passing and mentioning it in a lot, but we haven't solely focused on it in one episode. Of getting dunked. Of, not what they, oh, the missionaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <That's funny. laughs> oh, which speaking of, so that's all about, so this is a good little segue into the topic. So obviously missionaries are, you know, 
not required, but like you're, you're meant to get as many baptisms or dunks as you possibly can, you know, like the goal. Yep. That's the goal. And it was interesting. So my lovely friend, Scott, who hopefully will be on an episode, he showed interest and I think it would be really great to have him on. He served a mission, um, has left the church, but basically my boyfriend was asking him questions like, okay, so how many, how many people are you supposed to get baptized as a missionary? Like, is there a goal? Is there a deadline? And yeah, his answer was basically like whoever they can get, like as many as you can get. But more often than not, you get like maybe one or two baptisms if you're lucky. And I didn't realize it was that low, but I think I was like, I don't remember if I was reading something or if I talked to guys, my memories, um, if I talked to someone else who was an ex, uh, return missionary XMO, but they also said the same thing that like you don't really get that many baptisms as a missionary but it's like the church hypes it up somehow like they make it seem like it's a lot more than what it is yeah I can see that I don't have personal experience with it but I can see how they make it seem like so many more people are joining than actually are yeah and that these missionaries like they're just all taught like get you know, baptize as many people as you can. It's not really like get to know people, see if it's the right fit for them. It's like they literally don't care who you are as long as you want to get baptized. Yeah, they it's like a, like a competition when you're on a mission. They, It's really like who can get the most is the best yeah. and most righteous missionary. And it took all I had <laughs> not to go up to these poor missionaries who were on my flight who – Y'all, they sat literally right beside me. All these spaces and places to sit. And they sat beside me. And I was like, no. (laughs) And my boyfriend had left to get us, like, food. So I was stuck over over hearing their conversation for a while. And I was, like, so tempted just to turn around and be like, you know, the church isn't true. You can leave now. Like, you don't have to get on this plane to go to India to I'm doing air quotes spread the gospel like you can get back those two years like don't do it yeah yeah and because they're you know it's not some of them you just feel bad for and I think these are two examples of missionaries like at the time I was like ready to be like don't go and don't baptize as many people as you can baptism no no but I just felt guilty because you can tell they really believed it like, and they're so young. You oh, know, they, they just, look so young. Like babies. They've just been conditioned to believe it. And I, I feel the same as you, Sarah. I'll see them around riding their bikes around Phoenix and stuff. And I've I've been tempted to stop and have a conversation with them and maybe try to um, plant some doubt in their brains. But I also, I feel really bad for them because they're away from their families and they're so young and they're trying to do what they think is right. And they're just, you know, being, being controlled by this Mm -hmm. church. I didn't want to make their lives any harder. (laughs) So I haven't. No, I totally get it. But also what I thought of is that they're not going to actually hear me. They're just going to use this as an example to like their mission president or to other people and be like, and I met this girl on a flight and she was like anti-Mormon, but somehow I touched her soul and I planted a seed. And like, 
It was a trial for me, but I I had faith that I'm sure that she'll come back to the church. You know what I mean? Like Oh, totally. And it would totally play into like their persecution complex too that the church has of like anyone who's opposing them is like persecuting them and so exactly. it makes their faith stronger. Yeah. So I was like, nah. And about get time for that. Okay, but speaking of missionaries wanting to get baptized or to baptize everyone, we gonna talk about baptism. By the Baptism. holy fire, or the what is it? The never mind, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I retreat, um, guys. I still have jet lag. Please, that's I'm gonna blame everything on. Anytime I fuck up for the next year, jet lag. It was oh. jet lag. It was jet lag oh, from jet months lag. ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. If you guys don't know, in the Mormon church, baptism happens to children when they are eight years old. That's what they call the age of accountability. Um, And it comes from uh, Joseph Smith in, like, the Doctrine and Covenants. It's written that Joseph Smith, um, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery supposedly got the priesthood from and from John the Baptist in angel form. And after that happened, um, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery baptized each other in the river. And that's how like the whole thing started in the LDS tradition. And so it's a bit different than other religious forms of baptism. Like there's not just the sprinkling of water on mm-hmm. the head. You have to be fully submerged that's why they did it in a river so they full-on like sarah said earlier they full-on dunk you they They dunk you down (laughs) um so but yeah it and it can only be performed by a mormon man a priesthood holder which i looked up and to perform a baptism you just have to have the priesthood and be a man and be 16 years old so a 16 year old can be doing this like really important ritual. Oh my God. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. It's supposed to symbolize, um, I guess like your, your being, it's almost like Jesus's death, burial and resurrection. And it's like symbolizing the person getting rid of their sins and making this covenant with God and the church that they will be, you know, a faithful member for the rest of their life. So it's a really, really big deal. Let me ask you this. Maybe I'm jumping the gun and you are, you'll talk about it later. But where do they get this number eight? Like, why is that suddenly like an age of accountability? Like, I... I See, understand. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure where that actual age come came from. So if any of you listeners know, write in and tell us because it's they almost when you ask members or I guess leaders about it, they'll they seem proud that they don't baptize babies like, oh, no, we wait yeah. until the child can decide. But when you think about when you were eight years old, like I still believed in Santa and yeah, I think I believed in the tooth fairy even like full on when I was eight and I didn't really understand the world around me. You know, you're still super like naive and and you're not really making that decision. You're still basically a baby. So yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't know who decided the eight was that age. I I probably should have looked into that more. But I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know. That's why I asked you. But I. 
I remember I've asked that question before when I was a Mormon and one of the leaders told me, and again, I don't know if this was actual church doctrine or him just saying whatever, as most of the time they do. And I never looked into it once he said it, but it was something about like the church basically pulled studies from like psychological reports or sociology, something like that, that basically said that you know, the brain is formed enough at the age of eight to have this sense of accountability and responsibility. Yeah. But again, this was something that a priesthood holder told me. I think I was in high school when I first went to college. Um, and I don't know if it's actual doctrine, if it's any kind of truth at all. And if it is, I'm sure this is based on like a 1920 study. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Because you can find a study to validate anything you want to say, pretty much. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you're a young Mormon child, you're so you begin going to primary, It's which is the program for the youth. You begin going to that when you're three years old and they it's all about teaching you to follow the prophet, follow the church and follow Jesus, which means when you turn eight, that's what your big goal is, is to get baptized. And I remember being a little kid and that was like the coolest thing ever. You're just looking forward to being eight so that you can do this amazing thing that everyone's going to praise you for. Um, And so I just think that the idea of they say that the child has the choice to be baptized is a bit disingenuous because technically they could choose to say no, but they they don't because they're so encouraged and pressured and it's just part of being in the church. It's not like I, I don't know a single person that I grew up with that said no to getting baptized at eight because it's like the coolest thing you can do when you're an eight year old. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I mean, real talk, what if you grow up in a very devout Mormon family and you're an 8-year-old kid who's about to get baptized and you tell your parents, eh, actually, I don't want to. I mean, let's be realistic. They're not going to be like, okay. They'll probably be like, really, let's talk about it and try to convince you to go and get baptized or either, in a lot of cases, bribe you somehow. Like, for me exactly what you're saying like I I remember thinking it was I don't remember thinking it was a cool thing and this is this is a reflection of me as a child (laughs) slash and an adult I was like oh it's not really cool but I get a new pretty dress that has like and I get to my mom bought me a new like I think it was like a pearl bracelet or pearl earrings and I was like I get to wear this like it was all about what I was wearing I had no idea what what getting baptized meant Right, like, like the way and how it was like this big covenant you're making. It's just like, oh, I get to wear pearls. Woo-hoo! Yeah, and then also because they tell you, oh, you get to, you know, after you're baptized, you get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as a kid, right. you're thinking like, cool, I'm going to have this ghost that like follows me around and is like my companion because that's and how like, they describe it. Yeah. And, and as that, an like, eight-year-old, that, like your mind's not at a place to decipher that it's it's metaphorical. Like it's not an actual ghost that's your companion because I remember thinking that too like sweet like I'm gonna be that kid at school that has like this ghost hanging out with me it's like hey man 
probably shouldn't do that. I'd say no like, to that. The Holy Ghost will protect you and help you on your tests and yeah, all exactly. Stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you were saying with your dress and your pearls, um, that's something I thought about as well when I was thinking about this episode. That you get when you're when you're eight and you're preparing for your baptism. It's like you turn eight. But your birthday party isn't even the big deal. It's like the idea that you can get baptized and then they have a party for you for your baptism. And I remember I got all my gifts were like baptism related. I got like my special scriptures that had my name embossed on it. And like I got a new dress and new jewelry. And it's all about like rewarding this child for for doing, you know, they're Basically, like you said, bribing. <laughs> They're rewarding them for what? Uh, doing I'm sorry, the- I can't believe that that's what you got. Like, thank God I wasn't raised oh, in yeah. like a it Mormon like- church. Like- <laughs> I mean, and I probably got a few other toys and stuff when I was eight, but I just remember like it was a really big deal on my actual baptism day, and all my um, family came and watched me get baptized, and then they had like a luncheon party for me afterwards after the whole thing was over and had all this, these cool like gifts for me that were (laughs) baptism related, um, which they're probably still at my parents' house. I don't think I ever got rid of them. What? Um, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any of that because uh, you know, it was just my mom and one brother, I think at that point, um, who, Oh, and that's another good point. So actually, my who baptized you? Your dad? He did, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, because my dad's not Mormon, it was my brother, the only brother at the time who was active. And I think he had, he either just got back from his mission or he was right before he left for his mission. So that was like, a, you know, like, oh, I'm so excited that my brother's baptized. Like, I do remember feeling excited because of that. Yeah. Like, Yeah, having him baptize me. And then also, I don't know if you remember, but you get to pick people to give the two talks and a prayer. Oh, right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And this is the thing that I remember about baptism is that I asked my one of my older brothers who never grew up in the Mormon church to give a talk. And he obviously didn't have any idea what he'd be talking about and was like, didn't believe in any of it. But because he's such a good older brother, he said yes to doing it. Cause he knew I like, I really wanted him to, and it had nothing to do with like religious reasons or the fact I was getting baptized. I was just picking my favorite people to give oh, a talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I want my favorite brother to give a talk. And I remember my brother baptizing me, like, so the one that was going to baptize me, he, like, him help, helping my other brother with the talk because he had no idea what he was supposed to be talking <laughs> about. And I remember, like, walking and being like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, get out of here. Like, we're trying to write this talk. And anyway, <laughs> so that's what I remember. And then asking, like, my other brother or something like that to give a prayer. But other than that, I don't remember anything about the actual talk, even the baptism itself. I don't remember. Like, I vaguely remember, like, changing in the bathroom once I Mm -hmm. was dunked, and that's about it. Yeah, I I don't remember the prayer or the talks at all, but I do remember... Um, changing. So listeners, if you were not Mormon, they, when you're baptized, you have to wear this little white 
jumper onesie thing. Yes. And um, so you change in the bathroom and then um, you go to the the font. Is that what it's called? The baptismal font. Yeah. And you go in there. There's the priesthood holder, which for me, it was my dad. For Sarah, it was her brother. And they like they hold their hand up to the square, their arm up to the square and you put your other your hands on their other arm and they say this prayer that they have to say exactly word for word and then um after they recite it they dunk you and every bit of you including all of your hair has to be completely yeah. submerged and they have people watching that are close to the font called the witnesses to make sure that you're completely underneath the water and then they have you of course come back up out of the water and then yeah like Sarah said then you go back into the little bathroom and change into your dress or whatever and then they um they give you a blessing they call it a confirmation where they the men like put their hands on your head and that's when they tell you that you get the gift of the Holy Ghost and it's going to help you and be with you and the baptism has washed you of your sins um, but now you're responsible for your sins, so be careful, you know. <laughs> yep. Um, but even just thinking about that, like, I just remember, like, it's weird because obviously I don't believe any of it and I'm not a member, but I still look back at it very fondly, like, because it was so special with my dad. Mm-hmm. And it was like just this amazing day where everyone was telling me they were proud of me and I just felt so like happy and loved. And so even looking back on it now, knowing that I don't like none of that is a real covenant or a real thing. It's weird how it's in my brain. It still makes me feel the warm fuzzies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Like for me, it was exactly well said. Like I, I don't look back on it and I'm like, oh, worst day of my life. And I can't believe I was baptized into this evil church and blah, blah, blah. And it was so weird. And I mean, I'm sh- it is weird now that I've attended ones not as a kid. It's a bit like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. Um, but as a child, all I remembered is, hey, I got a new pretty white dress, some pearls. My brother baptized me. My other brothers, like, you know, participated. It was all about me. And it was yeah. just a nice experience. Like you were saying that everyone's so proud of you and um they're telling you such lovely things and they're telling you you're going to be so great in the future so it's like all this praise and family time so it is a like you look back on it it's a warm fuzzy feeling um but it's not associated with like oh I I made a mistake and I know the church is true now it's just more of like it was a good memory because you were there with loved ones and people were telling you how great you are (laughs) like yeah yeah you know perfectly said and I looking back on it I remember a a lot of people telling me wow you are like you are the cleanest and purest person Mm -hmm. in the room right now and looking back on that I think that's a really problematic thing to say especially to young children who are impressionable like you're clean and you'll never be this clean again it's that sense of like you're a sin will make you unclean or unworthy. And um, I don't like that concept. I mean, at the time, I didn't really realize what was going on. I was too young. Um, But I think it just added to the indoctrination. And and I think it does to children 
you know, now continuing to choose, they quote unquote, choose to get baptized, but they do so because they're indoctrinated to believe that that's their, that's basically the, the only path that they can take if they want, you know, to be loved and accepted. Yep, 100%. There's not yeah. really, I mean, they say there's a choice and you have choice and accountability, but in reality, if you grow up in this religion and you hear about it every single Sunday and primary, I mean, it's hard for you to say no because you're brainwashed. Like, it's hard to, and you don't really know what it is. Like, as Katie yeah. and I both talked about our experiences, like, neither one of us as an eight-year-old understood the the decision we were making. Yeah, you're officially becoming a member of that church and you're, you know, then they can track you. Your name is on their records and you're, yeah, supposedly making this huge promise that you're going mm-hmm. to be a member of this church, but you don't even really understand what you're doing. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I think it's, yeah, even whenever, sorry guys, I'm like, keep adjusting myself on the couch. So if you hear it on the, on your, in your earbuds, on your earbuds, prepositions, hard. Um, it's me just adjusting myself on the couch because hashtag <laughs> jet lag. Um, but yeah, I think as a, a kid, you don't really, again, as we just talked about, you don't understand what decision you're making. It's all about, you know, just getting new things and the spotlight being on you. And it's interesting because the other day I was kind of thinking about not baptism, but that same feeling that when you, what we talked about, when we think about our baptism, you still get that warm and fuzzy feeling, but it's not because you think that God's real or that maybe you do, but you don't believe in the Mormon church anymore. It's just about the memories that are associated with that point in your life or with that experience. And it's the same thing. The day Christmas music came on and it made me so happy. And I had this warm and fuzzy feeling and I just wanted to listen to Christmas music all day. And then I started thinking, oh, no, does that mean I believe in it? Like, do I, <laughs> do I believe in these, you know, hymns that we would sing at Christmas that are all about Jesus and, you know, like the nativity scene and blah, blah, blah. And I had to tell myself, like, no, it's just because these are songs that you grew up listening to that are yeah. oftentimes associated with happy moments in your life, being with your yeah. family, unwrapping presents or wrapping presents or just literally spending time with them but it has nothing to do with a religious component you know yeah yeah I I feel the exact same way like I was telling you before we started recording I have all my Christmas decorations up and I was playing Christmas music and you know I'm not religious and I I don't consider myself a Christian but I do have very warm, happy memories with Christmas music, so I still listen to it and still partake and enjoy it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I believe, yeah, the the religious side of it. <laughs> no, it's more of like, um, to me, I kind of look at it now as like a fairy tale almost, like this whole idea of Santa Claus and like all these corny Christmas music or movies about like Santa Claus, like the Hallmark movies, you know, I love them. Like <laughs> I will binge watch them all day long. And I've kind of learned to like, for me, that's what Christmas represents to me now. It's not like this religious component. It's just more of like a fantasy, like a nice time around the yeah. holiday to believe in, 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 you know, something that's just, I don't know, fictitious. Is that a word? 
yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just to like have a good time bonding with family and close ones and loved ones and that's it. And I think, yeah, I know we've kind of hammered this into the ground, but I think baptisms for us, because it was at such a young age, that's what it represents as well. But I, I'm curious if we have any listeners out there, which I know we do. We've had a few messages in saying that they converted at a later age or baptized mm-hmm. at a later age. I would be curious just to hear their experiences with baptism right. at a later age when they could remember. Sorry, and- guys. That was my little notification thing. <laughs> Excuse that. <laughs> God, Katie. Converse. Um, but yeah, to hear how they remember it because it's, it's at like such a different point in life, a different stage, and they can actually remember what's happening. And um, yeah, I'd be interested. So if there are any listeners out there, like send us your story if you got baptized at a later age and can remember the details of your baptism and how you felt, because I wonder if it's the same as how I felt when I went through the temple for the first time of being like, God, this is weird. Like I (laughs) wonder, and, and part of me thinks really and truly that, that the reason I responded so strongly to going through the temple and being so weirded out was because I was an adult doing it. You know, I was in my twenties and I could really understand what was happening and felt weird about it whereas as a kid if you do the same thing it's like because I can remember even thinking as a kid at like 12 13 doing baptisms for the dead it wasn't the weirdest thing to me but the older I got the more I was like okay this is weird right right (laughs) this is bizarre growing and you can understand this is this weird um yeah I've known some people or heard of some people that were converts at a later age and they um they've all told me that they didn't get the full story of all the background of Mormonism and all of the full entire beliefs of it and how it really? all worked and weird stuff just because they I guess they technically can't tell you everything like they don't tell you what happens in the temple for example or and you don't know about the the history with Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and all of that stuff unless you look it up yourself because the missionaries don't tell you that stuff. And so w- mm-hmm. what happens is you just get this nice feeling and the missionaries are very nice to you and make you feel welcome. And you get the warm fuzzy when you pray about it because, you you know, they love bomb you. Um, and then you think, oh, that's that's God telling me that this is true. And then you get baptized. And then later on you realize, wait, what actually is this, you know? Oh, my God. So I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear from you listeners that are converts if that was kind of your experience. If you felt like they maybe not necessarily lied to you, but the missionaries probably hid a lot of the problematic stuff from you because otherwise they wouldn't get converts. No, yeah, that's a really good point. Or also I think it'd be interesting to hear from Listeners, because I know a few of them who have messaged us directly or who follow us on our personal Instagram, who talked to the missionaries, met with them a few times and were close to being baptized, but then they didn't get baptized. Mm. So I would want to know maybe like what was the the one thing or maybe it was multiple things that kind of just was like the breaking point of, no, I don't want to get baptized into this religion. Yeah, I I wonder if it was something about the baptism in of itself or there were just questions that couldn't be answered or maybe they found out the truth or I um, bet a lot of times nowadays it's the availability of information on the Internet too. like 
within these past 10 years, things have just become more and more searchable and you can, you can learn about it. But yeah, before that, I think it was probably really hard to even, I guess, find out anything negative about the church really. Well, and it was easier to be controlled because you didn't have, as you said, the internet. So even if you, you know, know nothing about Mormonism and you decide to get baptized and then a few years later, you run into someone who does know about Mormonism, but isn't Mormon and says, oh, you know, this church has polygamy, you know, that they were racist, you know, that da, 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 da. You would just go back to your leader or someone in the Mormon church and tell them that, and they could quickly control the situation and say, no, that's not the truth. That's just anti-Mormon. That's Satan trying to get you (laughs) away, blah, 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 because you didn't have access to the internet to just Google it and see, is that true? And also you're told not to research it. Um, So there's both of those things. But it's an interesting point that you bring up because I'm just thinking, you know, if say I'd never been raised Mormon my entire life and at 31, if a missionary came up to me and started talking to me about the Mormon church, the first thing I would do would Google it. Exactly. I would want to know, okay, what is this? And then as soon as I started reading all of these things, I would be like, no, like there's no way I would convert to Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, at this, this is point, strange. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So it's interesting. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder how much of an impact the internet has made. I think um, it's made quite an impact, but I, I you know, I don't, I don't have the stats for you. I don't know for <laughs> sure. <laughs> the church never gives us the stats. True. True. Um. But speaking of, so that kind of reminded me of the age thing again, you know, you're older and if, you know, maybe you have the internet, you're more capable of making the decision of whether or not you want to be baptized versus when you're eight, you don't, I mean, when I was eight, I get, you know, you can write and read, but you're not like really critical thinkers or anything. So you don't, you, they don't really know what they're just doing no. what their parents and loved ones around them tells them. But I do think it's interesting how um, when the Mormon church made the policy that children of LGBTQ people can't get um, can't get baptized until they're 18. Because uh-huh. uh, that happened in 2015. And then just this year, they said that they took back that policy and that the kids can yeah. get baptized now. But technically, it's still in the handbooks that like if a child wants to get baptized and their parent, their parent is LGBTQ, they can't be living with that parent. Um, really? I didn't know that. They still have to disavow that lifestyle. Like, um, and if they are living with that parent, they have to wait till they're 18. And I've heard people say that the reason behind that was because they wanted to make sure that the child knew what they were doing and could understand what they were doing. So wait till they're 18 to make the decision. And it's like, then why isn't 18 the universal age for baptism? Why is it? Oh my God, that's such a good point. I feel like that was a mic drop moment. (laughs) Well, thank you. But But, really? (gasps) Yeah, it drove me insane when I would hear people justifying that ban by saying, oh no, it's just because the kids are young and impressionable and we're protecting their family. We want to make sure they know what they're doing. But it's like, you know, you could, but an an eight-year-old of a straight couple is fine to make that decision. Makes no sense. Yeah, apparently they can make the decision, but, (laughs) oh, that's so crazy. I know. I wonder if like, anyone has ever called out the church for that I mean I'm sure that they have but that's such a good point it's like 
next level double standard right there and just like mm-hmm. a, their own flaw and their explanation in their you know we're trying to make things right but that's a huge gaping hole in their <laughs> their discussion or their explanation you know yeah one of many yeah yeah um oh, that's so interesting hmm. and something else I thought about along the lines of like childhood indoctrination I was just thinking about how the kids are prepared for baptism. Um, oh, yeah. And how, like, you know, they're in primary from three years old being told all the time that they need to do this thing. And then I remembered um, how at fast and testimony meeting, they have, like, little kids Ugh. that are maybe five years old go up in front of the whole congregation and bring their parent with them. And then the parent whispers this testimony I'm doing air quotes into their ear and the child just recites it into the microphone (sighs) like if that's not some cult level indoctrination and I don't know what is right that's such a good point and I and it's such a different perspective on it because when it would happen when I was like I don't know say 17, 18, 19, if I would witness that, I'd be like, oh, that's so cute. And now it makes my skin crawl because I'm like, it's such indoctrination and it's also just brainwashing into the next. Like, it's such a cult thing to do to bring these little kids up and to literally just whisper in their ear what they're supposed to say. They're supposed to say, I'd like to bear my testimony. I know this church is true. I know Joseph Smith was a real prophet. I know Heavenly Father and Jesus love me. I'm looking forward to being baptized. I'm proud of my brothers and sisters for being baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Oh, my God. That's that's what they spot on. And those little children don't know any better. And then they go back to their seats and everyone around them says, oh, good job. Good job. You're so faithful and all that. And Oh, so of course they're going to choose the route of baptism and membership. <laughs> they're going to choose the route, not choose the right. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing, listeners. So if you didn't grow up Mormon, there's this whole saying that they teach you in primary of choose the right. They even oh. give you, um, I think when you turn eight, actually, they give you a ring, a CTR ring, choose the CTR right. CTR ring. And it's in, so you guys, listeners, this ring is like, it says CTR, but it's in the shape of a shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it was, like, such a cool thing for Mormons to wear. Um, but, like, where I'm from, it was, like, cool to wear until you're, like, 12, 13. And then I was, like, fuck this shit. That's embarrassing. So <laughs> I stopped wearing mine because I was the only Mormon in my high school. And people were, like, what a weirdo. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm, like, I don't know. I wore mine all the time. I had like that classic one that had the green background, you know? And then when I got a little bit older, I don't know how old I was. I was probably maybe like 12, but I got like a specialty one because especially in Utah, they sell these like crazy because everyone's wearing them. But mine was like a sterling silver one and it was little and it had a pink background and I felt so fancy because I had that one um and looking back on it it was like whoa why was I wearing that I was just wearing it because the church told me to wear it I don't <laughs> yeah and they tell you it's all a little insulting. it's like they tell you to wear it to, ch- to remember to choose 
the right and to do things according to the church's rules. Um, it's a little insulting. It's like your own conscience can't like direct you to do what's right. Yeah, you need to remind <laughs> you constantly of to choose the right and to return home with honor. Oh, oh my, that just sent me back. Return home with honor. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> choose the right. There was something I was, um, oh man, my brain is so mush from jet lag. Sorry, guys. There was something either I recently watched or read that had the same abbreviations of CTR, and it instantly, like, that's still where my mind goes. As soon as I hear CTR or MTC, I always think of the Mormon. Oh, me too. Always. Me too. Yeah, I probably always will. <laughs> always. Thanks for being brainwashed. Yay. <laughs> I wish that um, would like they instead of brainwashing us with useless like bulks of misinformation and lies, they actually like taught us things that would be useful in life. Like things that you would remember for the rest of your life, like math equations or theories or great literature like or musical composer some shit like that that's actually useful instead of just whatever (laughs) joseph smith made up in a hat i know uh right teach us how to do our taxes yeah that (laughs) struggle um well that's all i had in my notes about baptism i'm sure we could keep on going but um that's all I can think of for for now for this episode. Yeah, Unless same you here. More. If you guys want to listen, oh god, I can't talk. If you guys want to send in your stories, your baptism stories, or if you can think of a specific area that we did not cover today in terms of baptism, let us know. And um, as always, thanks for your support and love. You guys are the best. You're the best. And have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.